This is Dear Analyst, episode number 25. And today's episode, I'm going to be talking about an Excel problem that the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Excel, Bill Jelen, he posted about this a few weeks ago on February 9th, 2020. And this came across in my Twitter timeline feed, whatever you call it, and I clicked through and I found it to be a very interesting uh, challenge. And I first watched the video and I was like, oh, this is like kind of interesting, you know, maybe I'll talk about it, maybe I won't. But then today, as I'm recording this, I was answering a customer ticket at work uh, related to how you can take my spreadsheet that is somewhat normalized and what I mean what I mean by that is the spreadsheet has time columns across the top like different months or quarters across the top and then they have like other categories of data on the left hand side along the y-axis and they wanted to figure out how they can convert it to more of like a table like format to use in in Coda and I Googled a few ways that you can do this. I tried Googling, how do you convert from columns to rows? How do you de how do you denormalize data? And didn't really f come up with a good solution for this person that wrote into a ticket. And I just suggested that they either do it manually or they can use VBA. And I sent them a VBA script that they could use to kind of transform their data. And it's not the same thing as transposing data, but rather you have to, kind of duplicate data multiple times inside your table. I think if you're coming from a database perspective, this is what I believe you call a denormalizing. You're denormalizing your data. Whereas when you normalize data, you're kind of putting your data tables into a relational database structure so that you're not duplicating data. And I think typically speaking, when you have a denormalized table, that's the main stats table that has data that's repeated. And so it could be potentially just a um, much bigger table, but it's also easier to scan and query when it comes time to querying your data set. So in this, uh, in the screenshot of this model, um, you'll see that Bill has quarters along the top. And then every few quarters, there's going to be employee one, employee two. Uh, so that that column essentially sums up all the previous quarters. So this is pretty typical spreadsheet you might get from, you know, some kind of report where you have time series in the different columns, and then you want to sum up those columns in a column to the right. So in this case, you have for employee one, the Q1 to Q4 hours are from column C to column F, and then column G is the sum of all those hours. Then you have it for employee two, which is their hours are from column H through column K, and then the sum of their hours are in column L. And so this is a typical data set that needs to be denormalized because it's gonna be really hard to sum up these employee hours when you're going more and more columns to the, to the right. And so if you look at the screenshot, um, and you can also download the file, I put it into a Google Sheets uh, file. The person writes into Bill and says, I want my data to look like this, which is essentially a denormalized table of category, employee name, 
And actually, the time series, the quarters, are still along the top. Um, but essentially, they're trying to flatten their table into a more longer table, kind of like a database. Um, if I took this one step further, I probably would have put another column for a time period. And then I would have Q1 through Q4 um, in that third column, which is just a, a time uh, column, if you will. And in the in the YouTube video that Bill goes through in terms of this problem, he walks through uh, the get and transform feature in Excel. Um, this used to be called Power Query. And this is, I think, in versions uh, on Windows, Excel 2016 and above. Um, I, I don't have um, Office 365, unfortunately, and I've actually never used Power Query. I think I've used it once or twice, but not too often. And I think on the Mac, you have to be an Office 365 subscriber. So I don't even have the Power Query or Transform features on my Mac. Um, so I'm going purely off of the walkthrough video that Bill posted, which I linked to in the show notes. And it's... What's interesting about the solution that he talks about is that it's kind of like a typical ETL pattern when it comes to manip manipulating data in a database. So you have, perhaps you have tables of data from one source, tables from another source, you have to combine and maybe sometimes do some manipulation and do some ma mathematical operations to combine the data sets. And that's kind of what's what you're using get and transform for in Excel. So some of the steps involved with the get and transform is you have to select the category description and then you have to uh, unpivot the columns. And this is kind of interesting. This is to me is kind of like uh, essentially denormalizing a table of data. And even interestingly, even more interesting is that this is a solution that I proposed to the a customer who wrote in today about how they can flatten or denormalize their data. And one of the solutions I provided was that you can create a pivot table off of your data set, and then you can double click the grand total cell in the pivot table. And then what Excel spits out is the underlying data, but it's viewed as a denormalized table of data. In Get and Transform, <clears throat> you can unpivot the columns, and that essentially takes the attributes, in this case, like things like Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, the employee numbers, and puts them into one column. And then it adds a third column called value, which is basically the, the numerical value to that specific row. Um, so in the get and transform, you have three columns. Now you have category description, you have attribute, and then you have the value. And definitely watch Bill's walkthrough video to kind of see how this works. Um, I think uh, to, to kind of talk from a more broader perspective. Uh, this is a very common step when you need to put things into a database and make it easily re readable for um, basically for any kind of reporting or large data manipulation type of um, type of exercises. And especially if you want to do anything in Excel relating to pivot tables, you definitely need to have your data denormalized like this. And I can't stress how important this is because when I was early on as an as an analyst in my career, I just would put things in columns because it was just easy. You want to visualize your time series along the top. You have your categories or dimensions along the left-hand side, and it's easier to drag and drop 
formulas and do VLOOKUPs and all that kind of stuff. But the problem is that if you ever want to do anything more extensible with your data, perhaps do reporting, turn into a special tool, take data from other users, then it definitely behooves you to convert your data into a denormalized table where you have a column that's just time, like time period, and you have data that's duplicated multiple times for different dimensions and then for the time period. Um, anyways, that's a whole other subject which you can read about by just Googling uh, why you should denormalize data, how you should how you should prepare data for a pivot table or for a database, um, topics like that. Anywho, in this walkthrough, Bill talks about unpivoting the columns, which is kind of denormalizing the data set. Data set. And then what's interesting is since Q1 through Q4 is replicated a few times in the original table, uh, get and transform or the Power Query editor automatically adds an underscore in one or underscore number to take care of these duplicated quarters. So basically every step after unpivoting column to getting the data ready is basically a bunch of like text manipulation uh, steps to make sure that your labels look correct. So you have things like finding the length of the attribute, the quarter to see if it's a time period value versus a employee number. Um, try to see what else he does here. Yep, you define the length and then, oh, another nice feature, that, again, this is just getting the data ready for consumption down, down the stream for, uh, for reporting is you can use Excel's, uh, or sorry, the Power Query Editor's fill down option, which is a really useful feature from what I can see, which is sometimes you have like headers with a few empty rows below, but you want to fill those headers with that row you have. Uh, let's say you have the word employee one or the phrase employee one in cell A1, and then you have employee two in cell A4, and then you have employee three in cell A7. You want those headers to stay in those rows, but you want all the other empty cells in between employee one, employee two, employee three to be filled out. And so you can use this fill feature, which automatically fills it, the values up until it comes to the next unique value. And then it will continually just filling formulas down, filling the value down. Uh, this is, when I came across this part of the video, I can't even think about how many times I've seen this exercise. And it's such like a simple, data cleaning exercise to do, but up to this date, I haven't, like for me, when I have, when I have to do it, I kind of just do a macro, um, or I've seen plugins and do it, but I think with Power Query, it's kind of a built-in uh, feature because I'm sure Microsoft has done a bunch of user, user interviews and found that this is one of the most common data cleansing, uh, data manipulation features that are required to get your data ready for further downstream analysis. So you've kind of got some better, more sanitized labels. And then eventually after you have everything done, you just kind of do another pivot off of the data. And then now you can actually see the data uh, denormalize. In this case, the, the goal was to get things across the quarters. Um, I would have taken this one step further. And again, just to make one column with the time period or the quarter column and then having the values as the, I guess, the fourth column. Um, but what's interesting is that this is such a common 
I think if we just taking another step back, like when you think about how to get your data ready for modeling, for analysis, for just anything downstream, just cleaning up the data takes so much time. And even with Get and Transform and the Power Query Editor, you still kind of have to know what you're doing to get the data ready. And it's just funny that most of our work in Excel is just done, is just cleaning data up. And I think if you ask a data, a data scientist what their most common problems are with getting their data set ready, is that they don't have clean data. It, where there's just stuff that's normalized, there's things across the columns, there's bad naming, things need to be, need to be filled down, there, need to be, there needs to be totals, averages, all that good stuff. And to me, watching Bill's walkthrough video was really illuminating in terms of what Microsoft has done to give regular analysts and professionals a way to clean data up that doesn't require manual work. A, and B doesn't require the use of VBA, which is what I would have done to solve this problem. And even if I did that, even if I solved the problem with VBA, I don't think I would have, I think there still would have been bugs and errors in my code. And what's nice about the Power Query Editor is that it saves the steps that you apply as you're doing the transformation. And so those steps, you can reapply them to the next data set that is still in the kind of ugly structure. <clears throat> and by recording these steps, it's kind of like recording a macro, you can apply the same transform transformation steps to your data set so that it gets to the denormalized table that you need for further downstream analysis. And the first time I've seen something like this, well, I mean, the very first time I've seen something like this is actually just doing Excel macros. You know, with Excel macros, you can record your steps and you know, transform your data by using a macro, but with the get and transform power query editor, it's applying the transformations to the entire table of data and the, all the rows of data, not just to one range of data in your Excel table. So I think the query editor is just like a little more, a easier way of bulk editing and transforming your data versus recording a macro, which is more subject to human error and mistakes. Having said all this, even with the this kind of more user-friendly Power Query Editor uh, applied steps feature, what happens next month when your data source, maybe it might be a client or it might be a colleague, they send you the data and the columns change and the structure of the, the underlying data changes, your steps in Power Query Editor and your macro will all break because the structure of the data changed. Maybe instead of having Q1, it says quarter one. Now all the formulas that you wrote, wrote to calculate the length of the number of uh, values or the number of characters in the quarter column will all break and you have to re-edit all the steps. And before you know it, you're back to playing around with all the get and transform options in Excel. So I think like any good data set, it's only as good as the source. And if you don't have a good source data set, data, uh, good standardized and rigorous structures around your source data, then whether you're using Power, Power Query Editor or using macros, it's not gonna matter because the structure will change and then you're left to just doing all these different steps again and you have to reapply these steps for the next data set. 
And I find, I think for those of you who don't have Office 365 and don't have Get and Transform or the Power Query Editor, the first time I actually saw this type of transformation in all different steps, aside from Excel, is using Google's um, Open Refine tool. I think it used to be called, actually, I think it's still called, I think it, I think it used to be called Open Refine, but now it's, oh no, it used to be called Google Refine, but now it's called Open Refine. And I think it's similar to Power Query. Um, but it does. It definitely focuses on handling large data sets. So I would definitely recommend checking out OpenRefine if you want a free version, kind of, if you, of uh, Power Query. I don't think I don't think it comes with a lot of the kind of Excel type features like pivoting data and um, doing transformations like Excel does. But it has its own kind of OpenRefine query language where you can calculate the length of values and. Um, output the result into other columns. So it has a very similar look and feel to uh, get and transform from Excel. And lastly, I wanted to kind of talk about some of the comments on Bill's video walkthrough. Um, the two, so a bunch of people talk about the solutions they come up came up with, and most of them revolve around the Power Query Editor and get and transform. Um, but there are two comments I wanted to call out that for me really spoke to how to really answer this question and solve the puzzle um, at the root. So there was one person that commented, T-S-S-C-S-W-E. He or she says, if I got the task from a client, I would have challenged the receive structure. Perhaps someone ran the wrong report. If the data can be delivered properly structured, then there would be no problem to solve. In my view, a problem should be solved as close to the source as possible and workarounds be avoided. And this is the strategy I would have gone through in terms of trying to solve this problem. You wouldn't have to go through any of this get and transform power query editor steps if the data already came as a denormalized table. My guess is somewhere along the way, some administrator, someone that manages like the SAP Oracle database outputted the data for these employees hours into the structure that was sent in to Bill. And perhaps the person that received the file, they work at a different company, they don't have influence over how the data is structured. And so they're just like, okay, I'm not gonna be able to change the source of the data set. I'm just going to, have to deal with whatever structure comes in. I have to use get and transform to get the data into the form that I want. But for me, I always try to go upstream and try to solve the problem as far upstream as possible and try to even get the data dump through a SQL query and so that you know that the data will always be in a format that you need and it won't change too often unless someone's doing huge uh, transformations on the underlying tables in the SQL database. So th that th so this problem is less, the solution that I propose and that this user is proposing, I assume, is less of an Excel data cleansing issue, but more of a organizational issue of how you can work with your data engineering team or your uh, software engineering team to build a solution that allows you to get the data set in the format that you need without having to go through all the steps with uh, Power Query Editor. 
And I think that's actually kind of how I discovered SQL, which was like, I wonder where all these reports are coming from that I would have to use to do analysis on. And eventually I figured out, huh, it's all coming from a SQL database. If I just know how to use SQL, then I can pull the data any way I want. And there's less kind of manual steps I need to do in Excel. Another user that commented on the video, kind of a similar idea. The person is Kevin Osborne, and he says, I would have approached it in the same fashion. I would have dumped the proper data set back into an Excel table instead of pivoting the data in Power Query. That way the user can pivot tables to do whatever they need to do without the restriction of having the data already pivoted. Uh, I think what he's talking about is having so the original data set that the user said they want to transform was just really badly structured. And I think what Kevin is suggesting is that kind of going upstream a little bit, taking the data, putting it into an Excel table that's named and not pivoting the data yet and just letting the user, the person that wrote in, use that table of data and do whatever pivoting and querying they want on that table instead of providing a pivoted data set right away. It looks like that the data set that the user got when they wrote into Bill was already pivoted and the value was just, the values were just pasted special values. And I think if the user had their own underlying table, which my guess, 99% guess, is that it was a table from a SQL database or the result of a SQL query, was properly denormalized, then all this can transform stuff would also again not have to would not have to occur because the table is already in the proper structure. And last comment, one more thing is in the Twitter in the tweet where Bill posted this video, some people left some comments, and one person I was surprised that no one really talked about formulas to solve the problem. Um, I always try to approach these data clean, cleansing and data filtering and kind of manipulation exercises and challenges using formulas as much as possible. I try to avoid macros and uh, VBA, and I mean I don't have I don't have Power Query, but avoiding Power Query if I can because I know that data will change eventually. The structure of the source will change, and I'm left again trying to do all these steps one by one again. And I was surprised to see that only one person offered to do an Excel formula, a formula to solve the problem. And someone on Twitter, Junior Actuary, posted this solution that I think would kind of work. I haven't really played around with it that much, but it's basically using the good old index match combination to get the data by quarter for an employee. So in this scenario, instead of having to do the power query and doing the transform, you're just fixing up the labels and dimensions, which I find it to be a lot easier to do manually because I can just kind of use keyboard shortcuts, do fill downs, copy and paste a bunch of times. And once I have all my dimensions set up, then I can use index match to pull from the, the bad structured, badly structured data set and pull those numbers into my newly formatted denormalized table. And I find that to be a little more easier for me to do because I can see how my dimensions are being structured being structured on the left-hand side. And index match in this case just matches the category. Let's see, it looks like the categories are things like administrative, holiday, 
And then it also tries to match the employee number and quarter number, and it pulls in the values. The only difficult part about this, which the uh, formula does not address, is that you have to have the employee number and the quarter number in one cell, I would assume, in the first row so that the match formula knows where to match the value, match the label, and then pull back the corresponding value in that, in that column. Uh, anyways, I think I would have, if I were to approach this problem, I probably would have struggled through and try to find some permutation of this index match formula to work and then doing some manual work to get the labels to work out correctly. Uh, mostly because I don't have Power Query, but just because I like to use formulas whenever possible because I find them easier to debug than doing macros, macros or VBA. So take a look at the video, watch, take a look at the data set. I'm pretty sure once you find open the data set, you're gonna see that this is a problem that you've probably had to solve many a times in the past if you are an analyst and do any kind of reporting. Um, but definitely interested to hear how you solve the problem and uh, just comment on Bill's video or the Twitter the tweet I posted in the show notes with your solution. Um, yeah, definitely a very interesting problem and hasn't, it's funny that it still hasn't been solved all these years um, except for get and transform from Excel. And then um, I guess OpenRefine has some tools as well in their tool. Okay, so that is this week's episode. Uh, going pretty long here. So I'm gonna to try to go through the next part of the podcast as fast as I can. Although I really did like this episode. Um, it's from, the, from one of my favorite episodes the uh, oh, sorry, sorry, one of my favorite podcasts, the Software Engineering Software Engineering Daily podcast. This episode is with Sean Wang from Netlify. He's an engineer at Netlify, and the episode is all about no code, which is obviously a a a topic very near and dear to my heart, given where I work. And I think that this episode given the topic of the actual Excel content I just talked about has so many analogies between um, what they talk about in this episode and with what I just spoke about in terms of getting and transforming data. So I'm first going to talk about something near the very end of the episode around, around the hour mark. Um, Sean talks about how he, a lot of people just end up consuming, you know, blog posts, YouTube videos, and, they don't really create the, their own content out there for other people to consume. They're not the ones, they're they're just consuming and not pushing out new ideas. And I'm not talking about like, you know, creating Instagram posts and YouTube videos for fun. I'm talking about ones that really challenge your beliefs about um, building applications, coding, building infrastructure. Uh, I mean, I guess you could kind of extend it into more creative content creators, but I'm talking about people that are creating kind of more technical content and blog posts about some technology. And Sean talks about how he, as he was consuming more content, he started thinking about what if I became a content creator myself? And so he started remixing stuff, taking ideas from other people, creating his own ideas from those other ideas and seeing how people reacted. And one thing that he talked about, which um, I found really insightful was he talked about how as he was creating content and producing these blog posts 
he wanted to keep his keep his identity small, and he referenced one of Paul Graham's essays, which is in from two thousand nine, which which is exactly called "Keep Your Identity Small," and. Sean talks about how he, when he writes his blog posts, he wants to be challenged. He wants to be proven wrong. He wants to be, he wants to have ideas that he thinks are right until someone proves him wrong with some better ideas or proof or evidence that what he thinks is incorrect. And I haven't read this essay in quite a long time, so I decided to check out the Paul Graham's essay, and I definitely recommend everyone reading it. Just post it in the show notes. Um, some mem- memorable quotes in this essay include, what's different about religion is that people don't feel they need to have any particular expertise to have opinions about it. All they need is strongly held beliefs, and anyone can have those. No thread about JavaScript will grow as fast as one about religion because people feel they have to be over some threshold of expertise to post comments about that. But on religion, everyone's an expert. And if you have ever seen the comments in a YouTube video that has any flavor of religion or race mentioned, you can see how quickly it devolves into this black hole of just really crappy comments. And that's because everyone can is entitled to their opinion when they're talking about something that's close to their heart, close to, close to their identity, such as religion. And I think Sean's whole point is that by posting his ideas online and not believing them believing in them so strongly that it's part of part of his identity that others will uh he won't he won't feel personally attacked or um maybe disappointed that his ideas don't hold water because he's open to the criticism and it's one thing that i've been trying to just you know do on my own is when i write a blog post or create a youtube video or whatever it is or write some write something is to feel like I'm the dumbest person in the room and to ask for feedback and to basically assume that I could be proven wrong at any point and that if I strongly believe something that I should be able to uh, feel like if someone proves me wrong, then I should change my beliefs on the topic right away as as hard as it is. And I think there's many aspects of life where we can take a book out of Paul Graham's essay and just yeah, keep your identity small on things that you think about and create. And uh, yeah, that, so that was one really fascinating part about the episode um, that I liked. And I think when Sean says that when he writes something or creates content, he says that's just how he feels right now about that topic. But it could very easily change you know, a week, a day, a month from now, depending on what new evidence and what new facts come about that will challenge his beliefs. For the better part of the episode, they're talking about the extent of no-code platforms and solutions and whether or not software engineers and programmers will be replaced by no-code tools. And Sean wrote this really great blog post in on Webflow's blog called No Code is a Lie. Here's why coders should take a second look at no-code tools. And in it, he talks about how the API economy, all these APIs that allow people to just get stuff done much more easily than creating their own solution, things like the uh, like Twilio for, uh, for SMS and even like 
AWS for spinning up infrastructure. There's all these APIs, but still requires a bit of technical knowledge to get those things up and running. And I really like his phrase, the GUI or GUI economy to talk about where he thinks the no code movement is going and that why do you have to stop at the API as and your backend data as the kind of level of abstraction for the no code platforms. Instead of just stopping there, what if we went into how your UI is actually going to be abstracted or how your business logic is going to be abstracted or how uh, the user interactions will be extra abstracted. And all these things are definitely coming into play right now with a lot of all these no-code platforms, of course. And when he talked about the GUI, the GUI economy, I couldn't help but think about the original point of this Excel episode, of the spreadsheet episode, which was using get and transform Power Query Editor to take a basic table of employee and hours data and transforming it into a structure that is useful for your end audience. Like Excel to me is part of this GUI economy as well. And there's all these little buttons and drop downs you can use to transform quote unquote and unpivot and pivot data to make it to look like what you need for further downstream analysis. And I would argue that the power creator and get and transform are basically a part of this economy. And maybe even since, you know, version 1.0 was released in, what was it? 19, I think it was the early nineties, right? Uh, when it was first released was just applying a visual editor to your SQL database in, in a sense. Um, and so, yeah, being able to, take advantage of all these advancements in the GUI economy is really awesome. And I think what Sean is saying is that there's no line for where that uh, no code line can be drawn. Um, he was saying that even certain engineers are taking things like Vue, which is a, a JavaScript framework, and they're using Vue is coming out with a visual GUI to utilize the the the, uh, the framework, whereas most people are used to using Vue you know, um, in the CLI, the command line interface, and so I think as I think what people think about no code is, you know, really common platforms for consumers. But what Sean is talking about is even developers have a bunch of no code, quote unquote, no code platforms and abstractions that they can use to get their work done even better. So. A lot of resources to talk about here. I could talk about all this stuff for hours and hours, but I'll leave it at, leave it at that. Definitely listen to this episode with uh, Sean Wang. Read Paul Graham's essay about, about keeping your identity small. Um, read Sean's blog post about no code is a lie on the Webflow blog. And I'm just going to keep it at that because we're running a bit long. Um, yeah, hopefully you found this episode entertaining. Um, the first part of the episode might be kind of hard to follow along if you don't look at the Excel file or the Google Sheets file rather that uh, includes the problem that the user wrote into in regards to the get and transform problem. Um, but let me know if you have any comments. Mm -hmm.